Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, it's Jody Katz, your host for Where Brains Meet Beauty. This podcast series is my side hustle. I actually have a day job. I am the founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. We are the omni-channel branding agency hyper-focused on the beauty and wellness industries. Today's episode is with Marissa Arandondo. She's the founder of Face Bioactive and an incredibly interesting woman. Uh, if you missed last week's episode, is with Amanda Thiessen. She's a freelance makeup artist. I hope you enjoy the shows. Oh, and one more thing. This episode is sponsored by Babblebox. Babblebox is an integrated influencer marketing agency run by my very good friend, Sherry Langbert. They're best known for their innovative co-sampling programs. Babblebox creates a competition-free, theme-based sampling program that places your products in the hands of social media influencers who are guaranteed to post, pin, snap, tweet, and share your message. I trust Sherry, and so should you. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. I'm excited to say I'm sitting with Marissa Arandondo, founder and CEO of Face Bioactive. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to have you here, and we've just been chit-chatting and chit-chatting before hitting the record button. I'm like, wait, 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 let's just take this <laughs> to the podcast. Um, so give us a little sense of what FACE is all about. So FACE Bioactive is the first line of pH-optimized skincare. And what that means is, when I was growing up, I had really bad cystic acne, and I tried everything. I used buff puffs and sulfur and benzoyl peroxide and antibiotics and retin-A, corticosteroid injections in my cyst, which was Wait, really, really pleasant. a needle into the actual Oh, yeah, levels. with the tears coming out of oh. the sides of my face. How old were you when that When that happened? happened, that was probably around 15. And then eventually I was prescribed Accutane, and the Accutane worked for a short while, but then the pimples came back in my early 20s. And that's really when I resolved to solve my skincare issues. So I'm staring at your skin right now. I mean, it's not beautiful lighting in this room, but your skin is really incredible. Well, thank you like, very much. There's not even any scarring. Well, the key to having beautiful, healthy, radiant, clear skin is protecting your skin's natural pH balance. And all of us have mild pH just measures. It stands for potential of hydrogen. It just measures how acidic or alkaline a substance is. Our skin is acidic. We have this thin protective layer on the surface of our skin, and its function is to seal in the moisture, to keep your skin firm and elastic, to inhibit bacteria so you don't get pimples or inflammation. And the biggest mistake we all make, men and women, is washing our face with alkaline ingredients. That's anything that foams, anything that says sulfate in it, anything with soap, because what that does is it strips your skin's protective barrier, this acidic protective barrier, and dries out your skin. And dry skin ages faster than acidic skin. So I'm wondering if everyone who sits next to you, whether it's like a retailer or, you know, the media is doing what I'm doing. Now, which is, <laughs> I'm, I'm like kind of hearing your words, but I'm really staring at your skin and it's incredible. It's so funny that you say this because now I have the before after so you can actually see the oh. ugly me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you can see, obviously right now, the me after using my products. But what happened as a function of my job, I, I graduated from Stanford University and I went to Wall Street to become a biotech analyst and invest in dermatology, cosmetic, and biotech companies so that I could learn how to correct my own skin issues. So was very, that really the chief motivator? In oh, 100%. Uh-huh. 100% because I figured by being a research analyst, I had spent my summers in college doing investment banking, which wasn't nearly as exciting as being able to research and meet with the CEOs, the heads of R&D, the scientists, the chemists that are actually making products. So I went to a company called Janus in Colorado, and what, what I did there was literally meet with the heads of R&D, 
top dermatologists from all over the world and product developers. And that's where I learned about pH balance. I used to cover a company called Merck Pharmaceuticals in New Jersey, and it was through their head of R&D at an analyst day that I learned about the importance of pH, not only in formulating products, but actually in skincare. So you went to college thinking, I'm going to find a job in the industry where I get to be around the people who know the answers to my questions? Well, when I was in college is when you start thinking about what you're going to do. So it was a natural kind of trajectory for me to go into banking because that really deals with business. You can make money. So that's where I spent my summers. And then through that experience and getting focused and getting uh, exposed to the different facets of banking, research, banking, sales and trading, et cetera, that's where I learned research is the place for me. Right, but and, really with the goal of oh yeah, to I'm going to start a skincare problem. line. Yeah. yeah, but I needed I needed to know what I was going to do. I needed to get the confidence to be able to do it and have the capital. So that's why it took a few more years, <laughs> twelve years of Wall Street and an MBA to actually jump ship and make face bioactive happen. This is very fascinating to me because I meet a lot of founders and a lot of them have this like kind of like aha moment at some point, and they are doctors or lawyers or whatever, and then, and then all of a sudden they're like, wait, no, I need to do this. But you actually like <clears throat> crafted this plan for yourself many years before starting your brand, right? You were laying the foundation super early. Yeah, I would say plan is a very um, firm word. I had a dream, and the question is, how was I going to get there? And so it's kind of like putting the pieces of the mosaic together so I felt ready enough to do it. And candidly, you never really feel ready. But I got myself to a certain point where I could jump ship and just make it happen. I had a good career in finance, so it was hard to leave a steady paycheck mm-hmm. with a lot of figures in it. Right. So, but ultimately, this has brought me a tremendous amount of joy. It's a lot of work, and it is a labor of love, but I'm so passionate about what I do every day that I just, I'm ready to go when I wake up in the morning. So it's a different level of excitement than I had in my prior right. job. So let's go back in time to being a teenager, because you seem like a very confident, comfortable, at ease person. Um, what was it like to be you know, a teenager with cystic acne? I mean, like any teenager, I just felt totally insecure and self-conscious and not great in my own skin. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was always good at sports. I was always good at academics, so I had confidence in that regard. But Those feelings of insecurity never leave you in your life when you've suffered as a teen. And my acne was really, really bad. So like I said, this has been a labor of love because it was so personal. And I didn't want other people to suffer that way. And the one beauty of having um, an understanding of having suffered myself is that I have a tremendous empathy when I receive emails, which is regularly from customers on my website that just want to throw their hands in the air because they've tried everything and nothing works because I've been there. So I think from a marketing standpoint, since it is so personal for me, I'm able to connect better with my customers because I understand where they're coming right. from. So do teens use your products? All ages. It literally, not teen as in 15, 16, mm-hmm. but like 18, 19, mm-hmm. all the way to 76. So as far as I know, right. <laughs> these are just the customers that have written me. So pH balance in your skin really applies to all ages. And as we get older and our skin becomes drier and more wrinkly, that's because it's naturally becoming more alkaline as we age because right. you, ha- you produce less collagen, you produce less elastin all the more reason to be using acidic skincare to keep your skin hydrated and youthful and glowing. So why wouldn't a 13 or 14 or 15-year-old use these products? Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Oh, no, they can use oh, it. It's just that they're a little expensive for, oh, right. for that age. And, and, you know, I would encourage my, my, my objective in launching the skincare line isn't just simply about introducing great skincare. It's also about, it's, it's much broader than that. It's educating people on the importance of pH balance. Because when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, and first coming into these wonderful skin issues, 
um, I didn't appreciate that what was going on with my skin. I thought I was dirty, like my mm. face was greasy because mm -hmm. I played a lot of sports. So I'm, I'm 42, so we didn't have the Clarisonic and when I was a teenager, we had buff puffs. And I would sit there and scrub with a buff puff and soap thinking my skin was incredibly dirty and that's yeah. why I was having these breakouts and this redness and this peeling. And that's exactly what you don't want to do. I was actually exacerbating the symptoms of my acne because I was stripping off that protective ba barrier. Right. That's acidic, so it inhibits the bacteria that causes the acne. Okay. So I was actually exacerbating those symptoms and also you know, creating wrinkles and redness, other great symptoms of aging, which I didn't need. So this whole concept of pH balance, I hope, even if you can't afford the products at a very young age, that enough people will hear about this, that they'll make it part of the vernacular and not a scary scientific term. And do you remember um, being a teen and like thinking, I'm the only one who has acne this bad? Or like, were you, were you in a, a group of friends where like you all sort of suffered the same problems? It was a mix. I mean, I have, uh, we're three girls in my family. My oldest sister suffered from very bad cystic acne and my middle sister, didn't have an ounce, <laughs> not one pimple. And then there was me. And so my friends, you know, it varied all over the place. And, you know, I don't think I was comparing myself to my friends saying, oh, I wish I looked like her. And, you know, I didn't have those kinds of feelings. It was just more personal. It was just, I didn't feel great in my skin. And so I would, you know, certain experiences were very stressful for me. Going to the beach was mm -hmm. a biggie because I would try to put foundation, you know, concealer on my pimples, getting into the ocean and you're with your friends, you're worried that the foundation's gonna come off and the pimples are gonna show and the, or the concealer's gonna show in polka dots. It was experiences like that. And again, I was an athlete. So I used to play a lot of tennis and field hockey and my big fear was wiping my, my makeup off on the side of my shirt. I know that's not the most beautiful visual to envision, but these were the things that I was stressed about as a young person. And then when I went to Wall Street, I used to have to give presentations. Um, the firm that I worked at didn't have very many women, and I would have to present a stock to a, a group of 20 portfolio managers in a room. And I can tell you, I should have been more stressed on my presentation, but thankfully I was good and prepared on that front. But I was always nervous about my skin and having people look at me. Mm -hmm. So the, like I said, those feelings don't really leave. And then the irony of my life, as things have changed, is that I've become the face of face, the face of my brand, which, you know, I think as we discussed a little bit earlier, a couple weeks ago, you know, I never expected to have to be the face of my brand. My brand is not called Marisa Arredondo Skincare. It's called Face Bioactive because it's all about pH balance. And that's been a challenge for me. It's been a mountain to to climb that I'm still getting comfortable with. Right, like I'm literally just staring at your face right now. <laughs> I'm listening, so I am. Funny. But, um, you know, I actually hear this a lot from founders that um, their intention was not to be like the face of their company. Their intention was not to be the star of their Instagram, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but founders are really hot. Like, you know, customers and retailers feel really connected to the person behind the brand and they want to hear from them and they want to know like what, you know, how you spend your time and, you know, what you, what you're thinking about. Um, but it is kind of hard to say like, okay, I'm going to embrace that. Oh, especially for someone that likes to ride below the radar screen, never had a Facebook page, didn't want to touch Instagram. I mean, these were realities that I had to accept if I wanted to be a successful brand. So it's been incredibly awkward. I don't, and there's no rule book because all of the social media is just so new. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of all of this, and this is the way that I just change my thoughts <laughs> so that I view it from a positive angle and, and just embrace the challenge, is that we're in such a unique point in retail right now. There's so much chaos. The stores are struggling, the bricks and mortar, and the internet's fair game for me as it is for L'Oreal. I mean, these influencers just popped up and they're very meaningful to a lot of brands. 
So this is enormous opportunity for me to actually compete with a bigwig without having that kind of budget. So I have to view this like, wow, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Who knows how long this phase continues? I mean, is the internet's obviously going to be forever, but you know, new structures will come into place in the next decade or two. So I feel very fortunate to have launched this in the right time. Right. And so that just gives me the fuel to get over it, Marisa, and just <laughs> right. put yourself out there. So um, I can't think of a better spokesperson for your brand than yourself. You know, yeah. you know, really, like, because I'm mesmerized by your skin and your story. And, um, you know, I think that there would be a missed opportunity for the customer not to hear that in your own words and, right. see, and see how that plays out in your life. And even myself, I really connect to a story. And mine is a story, and it's a very personal one. And customers write me notes. And what I've learned is, what my objective is to really become a trusted expert in the space so that all of the information, I'm obsessed with skincare, I'm obsessed with science, I used to win all the science awards growing up. So it comes very naturally for me, and it's a hobby. And so what I've tried to do on my website, and what I'm hoping to do as time goes on, is to create new content in our blog, educating customers on what is rosacea? Why do we get it? Is it from the skin products we use? Is it from the foods we eat? Where does pH matter outside of the skin? Does it matter in the foods that we eat? Other more lifestyle issues so that she, A, gets to know me, B, realizes this is a, a trusted source of information, and then C, comes back for no, more data and more information. So, so that's my objective starting with the small, you know, with the brand of Face Bioactive, but really to build a larger community um, and instill the trust in the customer right. because she knows that she's going to get her information here. It's right. So let's talk about pH because I am also 42, and um, the way I've been marketed to with pH, I think, was a deodorant brand, right, in right. the 90s. By Menin. <laughs> remember that commercial? So um, it was all about pH balance for women, right? I, right. I don't remember what brand it was. But that, that's the only time I really ever heard about pH. Um, is that pH different than the pH you're talking about? Uh, not entirely, actually, at all. And you probably have heard of pH balance related to feminine products as well because we are acidic in certain places to fend off bacteria. And the same okay. goes for our armpits as okay. does do our private parts. That okay. It has that natural acidity so you don't get the bad bacteria thriving in there. Okay. And when something is off... If you've ever, you know, if you smell bad, if you've ever had any other issues, sorry to get a little personal, in the downstairs department, it's related to your pH being off balance. And again, pH just measures how acidic or alkaline a substance is. It, it's a chart that goes from 1, from 0 to 14. 0 is acidic, 14 is alkaline, 7 is neutral, water is neutral. But like our hair, for example, has a pH. It's naturally acidic as well. You don't want to strip that protective barrier. And that's what I didn't understand. And so that's what I'm trying to educate women on and, our whole, and men. Our whole line is mildly acidic skincare. So all of the products work well together and they work well with the naturally acidic pH of your skin. So it's replenishing the acid that I might have just washed exactly. away. Exactly. It's balancing your skin. So the biggest, the, the, the most important step in a healthy skincare regimen is the cleanser. That is the most important step. That's where most of us make our mistakes because we invest all this money in these fancy serums and these fancy moisturizers, but if you've done the damage at the outset and stripped off that protective barrier, those products afterwards are not going to work nearly as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really fundamental to not wash your face 
with soap, for example. If you've ever been to a hotel and used the bar soap Ugh, and you get out and you're awful. squeaky clean yeah. and you're super dry for the rest yeah. of the day in spite of like, you know, slapping on all the moisturizer, it's because you've disturbed your skin's pH. And after the age of 40, it takes eight hours for your pH to recalibrate. And during that time frame, you're exposed to environmental pollutants, your right. skin's defenseless. That's when you can get the redness and the sunburn and the acne. So the key is to always be protecting your skin's pH. And our cleanser does something very unique because after just one wash, you're getting the full-on yeah, cell I know, right I, I, now. I, I, but I'm fascinated. After just one wash, it improves your skin's barrier function, that protective barrier, by 51% instantly. And then we measured it out to eight hours in subjects, and it was still improved by 44%. So don't you want to do something good for yourself when you're washing your face? Clean, exfoliate, and improve your skin's barrier function. Have you been on, um, like, HSN or QVC? I have a contract with QVC. So yes, we launched last March, which is very exciting, in prime time for an hour. Actually, it was two hours and eight minutes. Straight straight through? Yes, it was straight through. Two hours, eight minutes, no break. And it was my first time on national TV. Wait, two hours straight through on QVC? Oh, yes. And eight minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Were those eight minutes the hardest, like the last mile of a marathon? You know what? It just became more fun and more fun as time went on. It was was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And there's a lot of preparation to get onto QVC because you have to do clinical studies on every product. And anything you say about a product, any claim, so if you want to say... You know, this serum improves the symptoms of acne. You have to have done a clinical study and the right number of people demonstrating that it improves the symptoms of acne. So I had to do 12 clinical studies for my five products that we aired that night. And, um, and then there's a whole what I can say, what I can't say. And then, boom, you're on live with 20 cameras in front of you and there's no rehearsal and it's just go with your host. Right. So and You seem like a pretty... Um a person who focuses on preparation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. So tell me about the weeks or months of preparation in terms of like the spiel and the delivery and the comfort on camera. What did you have to do? So the preparation, it was a full year between when QVC approached me and when I went on air. And it was a full year of working 24-7 candidly. There was a lot that had to go into this process because I can't hire someone to write claims on products that I developed because I'm the one that really knows them. Mm -hmm. I know what the ingredients do. So the process was figuring out what claims I wanted to make, then going and find the right, finding the right independent third party to do the testing on it. And there's a lot of other required testing that I have to do with QVC, so all of that has to be managed, and that just takes time. But then the claims testing, figuring out my list of questions I want to ask customers, all of the things I want to do with instrumental studies, all of that took a lot of time, and you have to recruit you know, 25 subjects per mm-hmm. 12 studies. So it was and a lot of work. And you were personally leading this process? Well, I hired a firm to do this, mm-hmm. but somebody has to lead. Mm-hmm. What are we testing for? What are we looking for? Mm-hmm. What kind of subjects do we want to go for? What age group, et cetera, ethnicity? So did all of that and then there's getting the production going so you have to source your bottles and the boxes and get things filled and get them delivered to the QVC distribution center and go see the QVC distribution center to understand how fulfillment works make sure that everything's going to be okay on that front and make sure that your packaging standards meet QVCs and all of this is a process Mm -hmm. and then get launched on the QVC website and make sure that all that literature is written correctly create a bio video explaining the brand so that they can put that on the website and air it on, ta- on national television, and then um, and then get going to training, which is you know literally one hour with a bunch of other people, and then boom, you're live. You meet the host 20 minutes before you go on air, and um, and that's it. And then it's just like, let's hope you don't mess up. So hope- in that moment, the like 20 minutes to airtime, the like countdown. Are you someone who gets like 
crazy butterflies? Do you feel like you're going to vomit? Do you feel just like calm and collected? What's your mindset at that moment? It was the weirdest moment of my life, and I'll never forget it because I arrived at the studios at 8 a.m. I didn't go on air until 9. I was in meetings all day by myself. I put on my clothes. I got my makeup done and put my hair in a ponytail, and I just looked in the mirror, and I was terrified. I was so excited. I was about to cry cry because it was my dream come true Mm -hmm. literally in that moment. It's a huge opportunity to be on primetime at 9 p.m. on a Friday night because you're hitting millions of Mm -hmm. people. And I looked in the mirror and just said, Marisa, I'm going to do my best and be myself. And let's just hope that authenticity sells. Do you actually say that to yourself? Oh, yeah. No, I looked in the mirror and I just said, I hope that I'm going to be my authentic self. It's the best I can do and I hope it works. And I was terrified. And so then I went out there and I had a phenomenal host. But the first eight minutes, I got to tell you, I don't really know what came out of my mouth. <laughs> so and I haven't been able to see it because some, I haven't been able to find the footage of those first eight minutes. But by the end, I was relaxed. And then by the literally the last eight minutes, I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it going. So it is very exhilarating. And then when you get out off of air, you come into a green room and you immediately can see your sales. So you can see, is the customer buying it or not? And everybody can see your sales. Mm-hmm. So it's quite, it's quite an experience, very real-time analytics. So you said this was your dream come true, right, yeah. to have this opportunity. Um, how do you honor that moment, you know, other than just being in the moment? Like, do you set aside time to just, like, think about it and digest it? Or are you, like, off to the next thing? And, like, like do, you, do, you do, do you have any sort of, like, practical approach to celebrating these types of wins? It's so funny that you say that. You know, that night when I finally got off air, I got home around 4 in the morning, and I, I just was crying. I was so happy. It was just such a beautiful achievement after so much hard work, so it was very emotional for me. I posted an Instagram, which was nice to get the feedback from customers and people. I took no photos that day, so a bunch of customers sent photos to me, which was nice, other than my photo in the mirror of that moment before mm-hmm. I went on air. Um, Candidly, I don't really reflect that much on wins like that. You know, at Thanksgiving, when we go around the family table and say what we're grateful for, that was one of the Mm -hmm. things that I said, just having the courage to get through it. It's emotional for me because it was just so challenging and so much went into it. I literally had no social life for easily, easily nine, ten months. Mm -hmm. It was 24-7 every day. Um, But it was worth it, and we sold out of three products, and that's very unusual on QVC, and we had a very strong debut, and I've been back many times since, but... It was just an important day to make it work. And it all comes down to one moment. It's like being an Olympic swimmer. It all comes down, or an Olympic athlete. It just comes down to that one moment, and you hope that you bring your A game. And you hope that the customers are, it, the message is resonating with them and that you're connecting. Right. The reason why I ask about like how you, if you honor that kind of win, is because um, you know, I, I have this tendency in my whole career, or probably since high school or college, probably since high school, um, I have this achievement and I'm just on to the next thing. And I really don't sit with it, right? Like I'm just rushed to the next thing. And um, I have mentioned to you that like self-doubt is sort of, you know, my disease like in my head, right? Like so what I've tried to start doing is to actually like sit down in one way, shape or another, put a candle in something, dance around, have some sort of moment where I'm honoring this win so that when the shitty stuff happens later, um, I'm not so overwhelmed with the, the shitty feeling. I can kind of go back to that winning feeling, right? Because that shoot, too shall pass. Right. Um, so I've been trying to practice this, right? It's like actually something I, I think about and um, do on purpose to, to try to overcome that self-doubt. I think that's a great strategy that you have. Um, I haven't incorporated the same um, process. For me, it's more of an annual thing. I keep moving, too, because when you're running a business... 
sad or whatever, you have one achievement, and then it's like, you know, what, what have you done for me lately? What's the next thing going to be? What's the next mountain you're going to gonna surmount? So for me, on an annual basis, every December, I, I'm a regular journal writer, so I do that to kind of reflect on what I'm thinking on certain things. So and you write, like, most nights I used to write every day. I'm not as good. So I probably three or four times a week now, mm-hmm. but I used to be better, and, I, and my New Year's resolution will be to get back to my every day. Because it is... I think it was, who was it? Was it Gandhi or the Dalai Lama? If you are super busy, you should meditate for two hours instead of one. I've got so many things to do. I'm totally tearing that quote apart. But what I do on an annual basis, and every December, I look at the list of goals that I had for myself the year before. And I see what I achieved, what I didn't achieve, what I was better at, what surprises came into Mm -hmm. my life. And then I write a new set of goals for the following year. And that's kind of the moment that I look at things, in addition to Thanksgiving dinner with my family, um, and really reflect on what I'm grateful for and what I'm proud of myself for. But I don't do this on a daily basis by any stretch because I call myself a fire woman because every day there's just problems that need to be, mm-hmm. fires that need to be put out and problems that need to be dealt with. And we need to keep on kicking the can forward to keep on growing the business because there's so much competition that you have to continue to press forward to continue to be a success. Right. So. So I guess I would say I don't have that much time for self-doubt for my life at this point. Otherwise, you know, I I just got to keep on pushing forward. But I like what you're doing because I wish I was spending more time reflecting like that. Um, You know, you said something about this idea of um, what have you done for me lately, right? Great success. Yesterday was awesome. We sold a lot of stuff. Okay, what's next? Um, In my career running the agency, I've um, started to feel like... um, a little disturbed by this pace, right? Like, wh- why does there have to be another thing? Like, you know, can't we can't we keep talking about the cleanser, right? Because, right. I mean, I know the industry wants newness, right? And that's what's driving sales and driving interest. But um, sometimes I have this, like, beauty burnout feeling around it. Not that I don't love beauty, right? I do. That stays the same. But this pace, this sort of, like, forced schedule on my clients and ourselves and the industry and the customer, too. Yep. Um, you know, how do you deal with the sense that, like, you know that you have to keep innovating and creating something new to stay relevant, but you're being forced to, in a sense, by the industry, maybe not necessarily, you know, what your plans are for the customer and how she would, you know, use your products? I totally agree with this point that you're saying, and I feel it, and I feel that pressure. What I'm realizing, though, is... In the past, you wanted to launch a brand, you got yourself into Neiman Marcus or Saks, there, and then you sold in retail and expanded that way. Maybe you got into Sephora, et cetera. And there was kind of this cookie-cutter approach to how you launch a brand. Now that retail is in such chaos and dire straits, because that's exactly what it is, Amazon is just destroying everybody. I think the pressure to launch new products isn't the same that it was before. And I don't think customers want... 10,000 different choices. I just think they want to be told, this is what you need. Mm -hmm. This is a multitasking product. This is what it's going to do. This is why you want to use it. This is what it costs. Boom. And this is how you use it. So what I'm trying to do for myself now, as opposed to getting caught in the rat race, because also with publicity, the editors are like, oh no, I don't want to write about the cleanser again. What's your newest thing? That's right. And the reality is you can't always, this isn't like introducing the next iPhone that has all the new bells and whistles. Skincare isn't growing and improving from a technological standpoint at that rate. So understanding that, what I'm trying to do is improve upon the products that I currently have and, and spending time developing... How do 
as a function of going on air on television and also as a function of selling products, you get real-time analytics and the customers tell you what they like, what you don't like, and what you can do better. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do is take those customer recommendations and reviews that they write, take that information and make my current product line better than it is. And one of the things that I've observed that hasn't necessarily been a complaint, but what I've been observing has been happening in the world of beauty is that prices are coming down. So what I'm trying to do is work to create the same, to give the customer a little bit more value than mm-hmm. I am uh, presently offering mm-hmm. her by changing our packaging and that kind of stuff. So, so I'm looking to enhance and improve what I currently have as opposed to coming up with the next best thing every six months. Right, right. And I'm so glad you mentioned the media because I do think that that's one of the driving forces of this um, energy that I feel like sometimes feels destructive, which is like, I'm going to write about something new. I'm going to write about something new. I'm going to write about something new. I'm going to just keep writing about something new. Um, and it forces our clients to have to keep developing something new if they want to you know, stay top of mind and relevant and be part of these stories. But it's, I, I think it's a little bit destructive. And I think it's really um, become contrary to what the customer wants, like you said. Yep. And the other thing is the customer... There's a lot more disposable income in the hands of 20-year-olds and teenagers than there was before. Mm-hmm. And everybody, the average woman today is so much more educated than she was 20 years ago on healthcare information because she has access to it on the internet. Mm-hmm. And there's so many relevant websites and she's getting targeted on her email box. Mm-hmm. So this woman knows so much more than she knew before. So trying to give her the next and greatest, latest, new, whatever, unless you have some brand new ingredient and technology that's recently been invented, she knows what's real and what's not. And so she just wants to have, where I'm seeing the trends and where I don't see things changing, is healthy ingredients, getting rid of the toxic ingredients Mm -hmm. that work. Because we all know that stuff that we put on our skin, we absorb into our bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So women want clean products that work. And so I think it's less about the new, new thing as opposed to fulfilling that criteria. I think it's very brave of you to say we're going to focus on making our current products better and work harder for our customers. Um, It really is brave because the easier thing to do might be to just, you know, acquiesce to the publicist and acquiesce to the retailer. Ultimately, Um, we'll see what happens with sales. It's a different strategy than other people are doing out there, but it doesn't feel internally right. Like I said, it's almost Mm -hmm. inauthentic to introduce something. It's like Tide detergent. Has it really gotten that much better? Every single year there's a new version of Tide. Now, <laughs> the commercials get better. I don't want to install P&G, Procter & Gamble, but maybe there is a new version of Tide that just, I mean, the technology just improves in cleaning. I don't know enough to know, but I know enough in skincare that it's not improving at this rate. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Well, if you think about those big consumer brands, they have innovations in packaging. Right. And in delivery. Yeah. Right? So I have pods, and maybe I have, like, a better container for those pods or a better container for that liquid. Um, and they spend millions of dollars advertising their new packaging, and right, and their right. new delivery system um, because they have the money to do so. But also that's a very important point that I think customers, and I've, I've tried to spend quite a bit of time on my website educating women and men on this. When you buy a skincare product... And it is not in an airless container. So think about a jar of cream and you open it up. It's immediately exposed to oxygen and UV light, which renders the actives in the product inactive. And then furthermore, if you're buying a natural product that doesn't have any preservative or very little preservative, and you're putting your bacteria-laden finger into a bowl of cream, a jar of cream, you are literally filling that cream with bad bacteria that can be harmful to your skin. So buying products from companies that use airless containers, and we use a patented airless technology in a glass bottle at Face Bioactive. I spend a lot of time sourcing these bottles. They come from Italy. And the key is, because it's airless, it doesn't allow oxygen or UV light. 
it squeezes everything out to the very end so you don't waste any product and don't have to stick the Q-tip in and get the cream out. And you're safe and you can use less preservative because no air is getting in there to contaminate it. So packaging actually is quite important. Yes. So if people are taking steps in that regard, that's a good thing. So we have time for one last question. Um, I guess I'll ask you, this one's a fun one. Um, being the head of the company, you have a lot of jobs, you wear a lot of hats. What's the oh, least yeah. favorite job that you have right now? My least favorite job will always be my least favorite job, admin. So anything related to taxes and accounting and corporations, and I hate it, but I have to do it and I have to be on it because I have to manage what's happening from a capital standpoint in our business and really know what's going on. So I'm slow on that kind of stuff. I just, it sits in my mailbox until I have to deal with it. So the admin is definitely yeah. the worst. Definitely the worst. I can almost remember the day where I really handed everything off to a finance team, right? Like I was doing it all and then I did less and less and then I was like, it's all yours. Oh, and what a relief, but was <laughs> it? Because I feel like I'd have an element of paranoia just letting go of what's happening. Yeah. Maybe I, mean, I just don't know as much as you know, so I don't know what I'm missing out on and I trust my team and they've been working with me for a long time, so I was, I'm, I'm you know, You're smart. <laughs> I mean, it's the arteries of the, it's the veins and arteries, so. There will be a day when I give it up. I'm still too close to the business. We're still, I can't say we're in our nation stages because we're profitable, but it's, I envy being in that position. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been so fun. And thank I know you. our listeners will really enjoy your wisdom. It was a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Marissa. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, please follow us on Instagram at Base Beauty Creative Agency. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.